Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Now, views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Shoes, Jam Radio Projections, Sony.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. Nation Talk is a, is a live public affairs program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Saldana, Georgia. Again, the conversation, call 1724-444-2444. Call ID number 5551-9-POUND. That's 1724-444-2444. Call ID number 5551-9-POUND.
Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at foreignlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk to You, Jam Radio Productions, SodaHead.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Port Chop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Trettow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nick Popovich, Operation Iraqi Freedom Veteran, United States Marine Corps. to be up here in front of so many great Americans amongst 
so many honorable veterans, so many great Americans, and to be able to speak with you today on this Memorial Day. I love our veteran history. I went to recruit training not too far from here, a couple miles from here, and that's when I first started learning about our veterans' history. They told us about great Americans in World War I in Bella Woods as the French forces were retreating out of the woods under the fire of German machine guns. A Marine captain said, retreat hell, we just got here. And into the breach they went. World War II, the Japanese said Iwo Jima would last for a thousand years. We raised a flag on it in three days. And Korea, forces surrounded by communist Chinese, outnumbered 20 to 1. Colonel Chesty Fuller said, fellas, we got them right where we want them. We can shoot any direction, hit the enemy. In Vietnam, Quezon, 500 Americans stood on a hill and said, you will not take us off of here. Outnumbered 30 to 1, North Vietnamese force attacked them for 77 days and finally said, forget it, we can't take them, you can have it, they went home. Iraq! That's the history passed down to our generation. And when it came my time, I was honored, I was privileged to serve with the 1st Marine Division. I was part of the march up to Baghdad in this war on terror. When we got to Baghdad, that's where Memorial Day truly came home for me. We were in a place called Ferdo Square. The Iraqi people embraced us as an ally, and together we toppled a dictator. And when I watched these people in that street of Baghdad, I watched them celebrate. I watched them rejoice. I looked in their faces, and what I realized I was looking at was liberty. I was looking at people who had grown up under a dictator, had never known a day's freedom their entire lives. I was in my late 30s, I realized I'd never known a day in my life without it. I had never known a day in my life that was their daily reality, and that freedom was not free. I was born in 1967. I was born with those Vietnam veterans, you Vietnam veterans out there, when you were out fighting the spread of communism. I was born on your watch under the liberty you were providing. That generation before that fought in Korea, stopping the spread of communism. That greatest generation that stopped those totalitarian regimes and not only de defended liberty around the world in the great wars, but came home and built the greatest prosperity this nation's ever known. Ira, I like that. So we have a motto in the Marine Corps. We say, Semper Fi, always faithful, faithful to God, country, and Corps. And on Memorial Day, I want to tell you a story of Semper Fi. I want to tell you of a man named Corporal Evans, the sort of Marine that won't be written about in history books in a battle that you'll never read about. It was at a place called Al Coot. We were assaulted from the flank, and we did what, we did what Americans do. We turned their ambush site into their kill zone. We turned in and attacked into the ambush. Uh, Amtrak dropped ramps, Marines charged into the Palm Grove. Corporal Ebner was one of those Marines on his way into the Grove because it was a horrible fight. It was close range, hand grenades, machine guns, nasty fight. Hmm. On Ebner's way in, he was struck down by an AK-47 round just below the flak jacket, right in the lower abdomen region. Bad wound, but still alive. Hmm. He was pulled out onto the road, medevaced out onto the road. Marines around him, corpsmen around him were applying first aid. But it was a horrible wound. 
he was probably not going to survive. Those individuals administering the first administering the first aid knew it, and more importantly, Corporal Evan knew it. We all talk about courage, honor, commitment, but the real deal American, that real deal guy, is that one when you're up against the wall, up against adversity. Do you believe in it then? So they looked down at Corporal Evan, knowing he was going to die, and they just wanted to make his life a little bit more comfortable on the way out the door. And they said, Evan, is there anything we can do for you? Anything? Just just trying to ease the pain. Evan looked up with the clarity, the courage, honor, commitment that we all hope we have at that moment. And he said, no, I'm right where I want to be. I'm here with my brothers. And Corporal Evan passed. So on this day, I, 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 I'm privileged to stand in front of so many great Americans as we honor those fallen and say thank you. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you for this great nation. God bless America. God bless you. Good evening and welcome to Nation Talk. Tonight we are going to celebrate and remember those veterans who died for our freedom. Good evening, bro. What's up? Good evening. How are you today? All right. That's good. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. And I, was that a, a speech that we just replayed before, or was that somebody on the phone on the line? Oh, it was it was a, a speech of um, a U.S. Marine. Uh, I want to. You missed. I don't know. You missed the first one I had played was. Um, Play President Reagan's speech. Wonderful speech. Very right, wonderful now. speech. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what's on the agenda tonight? I'm just coming in and and I forgot. I, oh my God, it's almost eight, it's eight o'clock already. So <laughs> <laughs> well, so. tonight mostly we just uh, remembering uh, Memorial Day and um, and some other news items that that's. That's going on. That's that could. That's on your mind, and mainly just mainly to talk about Memorial Day, okay. And why why we celebrate this day, or we remember those. And for those of you who don't know, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and um. We remember those men, women who sacrificed their lives that we may live under the blanket of freedom that that we enjoy at this moment. Beautiful. You know, I uh, I ran across something today on my uh, in my email. That okay. I have been trying to promote one of my books, and it's called "Knowing the Value of True Love." Oh. And, and I've been doing this on the, you know, by different uh, social medias and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. For the last few months. But today, I ran into one of my emails that the people, you know, how people are always sending out emails to try to get you to join things and take this training, do this, do that, <laughs> so they can get money. Yeah. Well. 
one of my great uh, female people that, that I deal with that have over a million um, members in it, right? Mm-hmm. And they say that the caption, love is the way. And when they got when they start to write an article, it's like it seems as if they were standing on my shoulder and reading my book and putting this stuff out there and they're getting all of this result and I've been trying to put my uh information out, especially with my Facebook account which I have mostly um uh people of color. Mm-hmm. Not too many people are interested in what I have to say. But yet still, you get businesses to take in the same principle that God has been trying to give us and, 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 and putting forth to us for thousands of years, and that people are taking advantage of it and making money off of it, but seem like we have the same information like love, because love is the answer. That's what they said on the, on the, in this article that they have. Love is the answer, mm-hmm. which which we've been knowing this all along. But just like we talked about last week about all of this violence and all of the things that's happened, is that if we had more love, we'd have less negativity. And then we wouldn't have to uh, celebrate too much Memorial Day because you wouldn't have that many wars and rumors of wars and all that stuff associated with America. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, Facts is facts, history is history, and today is today. So I just want to share that and bring it to the point like like people have we have misused and misplaced the true value of love and God is still there, but yet still everybody loves Jesus. But what about loving each other, respecting each other, and then like you say, remembering those who sacrificed their life for us for the, the sake of the country. Right. So that we can, when they see a vet, somebody walking down the street, you don't turn away from them or, or call them Obama and alcoholic and da 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 but at least say thank you for serving. So that, that, that's my little share. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for taking up too much time. Oh, no, 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 no. This is good. This, this, that rant is good. That's a good rant. <laughs> uh, every so often, when Vanessa and I, when we, as I said, we we we're in Savannah, we're there's a Air Force Army Air Force base right here in Savannah, um, Hunter, and there's a lot of of soldiers that live in our area. Okay. Um. Bless you. Uh. <laughs> uh, there's uh, soldiers who live right here in our area, and we we see them all the time. They 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 they're, they're now in Kroger's, they're in Walmart, they're walking down they're downtown, you know, different areas, and we try our best to tell them thank you for their service. We try our best to um. To those who who did serve, we have a few veterans here that live in our building, quite a, quite okay. a, quite a bit of veterans who who do live in our building, um, who I have the utmost respect. 
I do have the utmost respect for uh, our veterans because they <laughs> they have they, they they had a hard hard job of doing what they do and doing what they did. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> I was sitting around with, with, with our church. We had a church outing, a church um, fun day, and I was surrounded with one, two, about three, about four veterans, <laughs> and they're talking. Boy, you talking about? You talking about stories? Oh, they had good war stories, though. Ooh, Lord have mercy, boy, yeah, they can. Yeah. They can, but they can tell you their experiences. What happened to them? Some, some, some of them good. Some of them funny. <laughs> One of them, <laughs> they have some, and some of them, some, some of them pretty funny experiences to have. <laughs> uh, um, it, some of them are real terrible experiences. I've, I've heard of ones that. They actually died right there in the arms, you know. Right. Um, and, um, limbs blown off their bodies, and um, one of the, one one of our deacons he said that that they had the these mines the, in out here, and and this this was in Vietnam, and they stepped they stepped right on one. But it wasn't. It didn't go off. They had to call somebody to get the to get them to um, dispose of of it because sometimes they call him Charlie over there in Nam. Oh yeah. <laughs> they said Charlie could be in the trees. He could be. They have like the underground bunkers. I've heard they have underground bunkers. That they could be. I mean, anywhere. Just hiding. You never know where they're gonna be at. I mean, I've heard. I even knew. I knew a marine. Who, who was who was shot, and the shrapnel was right in his body. In fact. Last time, uh, he, 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 in fact, he he could feel that shrapnel now, right in, in his body. That that's, and then it's a piece of shrapnel right in his body, and he could feel it. He could feel it right in his body, and it and it's I can just imagine the scruching pain he gets in it. I, I can just imagine when I was in the naval RTC. There was this um, gunnery sergeant. He was telling the story about the helmet he had on his desk. He uh, he's on his back on his back table that he had with this, and he had a, a helmet on it and it had a bullet hole right in that helmet. He said, "There's a few more inches that he could have been hit. That that same helmet saved his life." And he can he can see the dent of that bullet of that of that of that bullet on the, on that same helmet that he had. That helmet saved his life. All right now. 
I mean, I mean, I could go on and on and on, just hearing different. I mean, hearing different stories about what different veterans and oh my God, Ugh. it the stories they tell, be it true or not, uh, amazing, scary. Some are very comical. <laughs> some of them are pretty comical. There's, there's some experience they go over there. Some of the stuff they they did over there. <laughs> some of it is just just. The experience itself is just uh, unbelievable. I mean, you just want to go, whoa! I mean, you just want to go, whoa! Um, the the things they had to go through is unbelievable. I mean, absolutely, positively unbelievable. The stuff well, they had to go through, huh? That's war. Oh yeah. I don't know why people think that war is was a beautiful thing and the charge of the light brigade and and the music <laughs> behind and all that good stuff. But like, hey, wait a minute. Like you said, the reality of life and death and bodies and being hurt and destroyed nets up. And you know something else too. Like today, war has an effect on the mental, emotional and physical condition of a lot of people even today. That's why so many uh, people, like I said, the veterans, were out there strung out, messed up, mm. and yet still, how many how many times are we praying for them and supporting them and going up to them and saying, hey, man, look here, do you need a cup of coffee? Can I get you a cup of coffee or a sandwich? Yeah. So they feel like they went through all of that hell to come back home to get rejected, you know? I had a guy that he was in Nam, right? Now, this was like during the 70s when I got out. Cause I was right before Vietnam really, really kicked off. Mm. I came home. But I came home and went down to a Clark in uh, Delaware where all of those caskets was coming through. And I was saying, like, oh, my God, look at all of these dead soldiers coming back home to no home but only to be buried. Mm-hmm. So, like, this guy, his mind was so out there, like you say, because of the physical and the mental condition, he was sitting out there on the on a bridge in Connecticut there, right by the screen, and he would say, I'm on my duty, I'm on my post. And he wouldn't go in. They tried to make him go in, try to uh, convince him to go in. He had the same uniform on. Flies were flying around him, but this man was saying, I'm on my post, and I'm not leaving my post. Mm. You know, and, and that kind of stuff, like you said, is really touching your heart because you see somebody who's more, uh, how you say, faithful mm. and also loyal mm. to the mission. And if, if we as Christians would be half as loyal to the mission that we are on and, and, the, and the confidence that we have and the faithfulness, wow, we could do a mighty, mighty work. Oh, boy, I'm telling you. And, and the Marine Corps um, um, has this motto, always simplify, always faithful. Always faithful. Always uh, faithful. 
And that, that's that's the Marine Corps. That's what the Marine Corps. That's the, my my hats go. My hats goes off to to all those veterans out there who who served. I mean, who are serving and who have served. The retired ones, the the disabled, the the ones who are disabled. My 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 hats goes off to them. And again, yes. thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, again a thousand times. Thank you for your service. I mean, we—I don't know about anybody else. On behalf of Vanessa, we appreciate your service. We appreciate what you veterans have done. I mean, my heart goes out to them. I have family members who are veterans. Beautiful. And I mean, I, I, I had a. I have a cousin who's retired from the army. Um, he, he yeah, he's retired from the army. He was an army cook. Um, I have an uncle who was in the reserves. I had another cousin who served in the navy. Um, let's see, I have a father-in-law who who served in Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, my, my my father-in-law. Um. I have, let's see, uh, I think I have another cousin who's, I have another cousin who served in, in, um, in the armed forces. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, the things they, they, they went through, as, my advice to anybody is to listen to their story. If they let them, if they let them tell it, if they let to tell you their story, listen to it. Listen to their story, cause right. you'll you'll learn a lot about what they've gone through and why they did. And some of the stuff, they, and yeah, I know some of the stuff is kind of crazy. <laughs> some of the stuff I heard now was kind of crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard some crazy stories about Nam. Oh Lord, it, some of them, some of them got too tickle, you know. When when they the, some of the funny stuff is just so it's so it's so hilariously funny. God, God, some of the things, cause especially when they're especially when they're not doing it, especially when they're kind of when, when they have downtime, when they have a little downtime between you know in between fighting, they they. They they get into some kind of misfit. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean the the R and R? Yeah, yeah. When they go, yeah, when they have R and R, they dig the they end up fighting some <laughs> a marine fighting or or a ranger or be fighting or you have a, a marine and somebody from the, and the army fighting or a ranger and a marine or a navy. Uh, sponsor from the Navy or the or the Air Force, they fighting and they, <laughs> or they, or they, they, it, 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 some of the stuff is kind, of, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but I'll be like, okay, I'm like, alrighty then. <laughs> but but my point is to all of you all, is to remember them, is to. Right. Tell them, um, tell them, thank you thank for the, for for their service. I mean, this 
And, you know, and, and something else, too, I would like to tell if anybody listening out there uh, is going to be listening, don't be ashamed to put that flag up. You know what I mean? Right. It seems like, like so far we have so much negativity and people don't care, da-da-da-da-da. Put the flag up. Let it fly at least for one day, uh, two days, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July. You know, in that regard. Oh, yeah. Let, let everybody know that, hey, we're here in this together. Oh, yeah. I think I still got my little... It's, I, I got. Uh, I don't have the actual actual flag, but I got like a flag. I just I put on my put on my window. Yeah, I, uh, I did it. You know, I do it for Veterans Day. I do it on Veterans Day, and I try to do it on Memorial Day. I, I got my flag where I need somebody to find it so I can post it. Put on, put it on my window. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, uh, sometimes I put my flag up there. And kind of let people know that my, give my support to all those um, my supporting the veterans. Hold, hold on a minute. Hold on. To give my support to some veterans out there. Uh, Mike, hold on. We go. We go. Continue talking. We're just doing some general conversation about Veterans Day and getting to some more. Headlines and news and stuff that's been going on. Um, especially, I want to get into about about um, Marilyn Monroe. Especially, I want to find out. I want to do something to talk about that as well. Her birthday, her ninth birthday is coming up, and I found some interesting information about it, about her. Happy Veterans Day. I mean, happy Memorial Day to all of you. This is Nation Talk. Join me tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, for Morning Inspirations on Gen Radio 2.1. Hi, this is Savannah Guthrie with an urgent story developing right now in every state and county across America. Despite having more than enough food available in this country, there are nearly 16 million kids. That's one in five children struggling with hunger. They often don't even know where their next meal is coming from. And the worst part is, this has been going on for years. There's no excuse for it, and that's why Feeding America is doing its best to put an end to childhood hunger. As a nationwide network of food banks, Feeding America engages local communities in solving hunger by collecting surplus food, giving hope to hungry kids and their families all across our nation. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. You can start by going to feedingamerica.org to learn more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Yo, what's up? This is the Black Eyed Peas, and we're here for Rad, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Music is one of the most important things in our lives, but nothing is more important than life itself. When you drink and drive, you're risking the life of yourself and the lives of everybody on the road. Don't plan to drive, just plan ahead. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. The fears and peas of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views 
of Talk to You, GenerallyProductionSoil.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Hi, everybody. Right now, there are American troops serving in harm's way and standing sentry around the world. They're veterans who've served honorably in times of war and peace and often came home bearing the invisible and visible wounds of war. They may not speak the loudest about their patriotism. They let their actions do that. Right time to think of these men and women and thank them for their service and sacrifice is every day of the year. Memorial Day, which we'll observe Monday, is different. This is the day we remember those who never made it home, those who never had the chance to take off the uniform and be honored as a veteran. The day we stop to reflect with gratitude on the sacrifice of generations who made us more prosperous and free, and to think of the loved ones they left behind. Remembering them, searing their stories and their contributions into our collective memory, that's an awesome responsibility. It's one that all of us share as citizens. As Commander-in-Chief, I have no more solemn obligation than leading our men and women in uniform, making sure they have what they need to succeed, making sure we only send them into harm's way when it's absolutely necessary. If they make the ultimate sacrifice, if they give their very lives, we have to do more than honor their memory. We have to be there for their families. Over the years, Michelle and I have spent quiet moments with the families of the fallen, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. They've shared their pain, but also their pride in the sacrifices their loved ones made under our proud flag. It's up to the rest of us to live our lives in a way that's worthy of these sacrifices. The idea to set aside a Memorial Day each year didn't come from our government. It came from ordinary citizens who acknowledged that while we can't build monuments to every heroic act of every warrior we lost in battle, we can keep their memories alive by taking one day out of the year to decorate the places where they're buried. That's something that so many of our fellow Americans are doing this weekend, remembering. Remembering the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardmen who died in our defense. Remembering those who remain missing. Remembering that they were our fellow citizens and churchgoers, classmates and children, and more often than not, the best of us. For this Memorial Weekend, I hope you'll join me in acts of remembrance. Play a flower or plant a flag at a fallen hero's final resting place. Reach out to a Gold Star family in your community and listen to the story they have to tell. Send a care package to our troops overseas. Volunteer to make a Wounded Warrior's Day a little easier. Or hire a veteran who's ready and willing to serve at home just as they did abroad. Or just pause. Take a moment offer a silent word of prayer or a public word of thanks. The debt we owe our fallen heroes is one we can never truly repay, but our responsibility to remember is something we can live up to every day of the year. Thanks. May God watch over our fallen heroes and their families, and may God continue to bless the United States of America.
Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, in his address to the nation, his regular weekly um, weekly address, um, his weekly address to the nation on remembering those on Memorial Day. Now. Okay. All right. Now, I was watching, I've been watching for the last few nights about about the um, about Marilyn Monroe. Her birthday, is, her 90th birthday is coming up on Wednesday. Um, and it, and and the question still remains: Who killed? Marilyn Monroe. Was it the Kennedys, the FBI, the CIA, or was it a suicide? Wow. It's been said that it it has been said and rumor the rumor mill has been going around that the CIA murdered Marilyn Monroe. And it also been said that the Kennedys, both GFK and RFK, were were part of this conspiracy or this thing that was going on um, with Marilyn Monroe. Now, the, the question still remains. Now, I, the, the question still remains: Who killed? Who killed Marilyn Monroe? Um, Inquirer minds still want to know. And this being coming up Wednesday, her 90th, she was was 36 when she died. Only 36 years old. She wasn't quite 40 yet. 36 years old. Here is a young star bombshell of a star who became famous for her, not only for her looks, well, mainly mainly for her looks, mainly, and for her stardom, her star, for being the star that she was. And and she was also famous for, for, um, for drugs. For being an alcoholic and and being in in drugs, which is, I guess, the 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 one of the common things in Hollywood. <laughs> but who killed Marilyn Monroe? That is that's the question. Conspiracy theorists. <laughs> okay, all you conspiracy theorists out there. Listen, I want to hear what you have to say. And I know there's some conspiracy c- conspiracy theorists out there who said, well, Marilyn did it to herself. And Marilyn um, got too close to the mafia. I, another thing, too, they said the mafia killed um, Norma Jean. Who killed her? I, I mean, 
And quiet minds will know. Was it officially ruled a suicide or a homicide? It was. It was. It was ruled as a probable suicide. A probable unquote probable okay. suicide. Because that there, there were too many. There are too many unquestioned, unanswered questions. On. Um, on her death. Still some un- still some unanswered questions about it. Um they found her in the bed, uh I think with no clothes on, with the phone in her hand and an assortment of pills on the table there on her table. This then this is at her home. This is in her home in um I think it's um in 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 the Hollywood area. And right in the, in the Brentwood, I think it's I think it's Brentwood. I think that's where she used to live at. Right there in her home, and there's been a lot of um. It's been I mean it's been really really weird. I mean very strange. A lot of strange things going on. They found her body naked, um, as if she was ready for a a photo shoot with the phone in her hand. A lot of pills on now this picture now. She's on a she's on a bed, naked, covered, but she's naked. Phone in her hand, assortment of pills on her on the table next to her. But there was no water. They said they said it has been there was no water to chase the you know, chase the pills down. Mm. Also, it has been said they found a a small mark on her arm, I believe, where it, like the, like she was um like she like a um, shot with a syringe, with some kind of syringe needle, with some kind of needle. Uh, that's basically what the the coordinate. That's what basically what the photos, you know, everything's the last, you know, the final um, report. And said there was no. And the autopsy report says there was no pills found in her body. How? Wow. No. They said her her hair was not managed. Um, her she had no manicure, no pinic uh, um manicure. Her nails wasn't done. Her feet wasn't done. You know, because she's always like she. You know, Marilyn was always Marilyn. <laughs> you know, always liked to look good. Right. Yeah, and I've seen pictures of her, and I'm, I've seen a thousand pictures of her, and I've seen a little bit some of some of her movies, and she always looked glamorous, always did. Plus, there's also been times it's also been said of the trouble her trouble past of her past her trouble past before she 
before she became Marilyn Monroe, just when she was Norma Jean, when she was Norma Jean, um, the whole thing sounds too weird for me. <laughs> I mean, it has been, it, and the controversy still go, and the controversy still is out, and the, the controversy and the Rumors are still floating of who killed, and even 50 years after, over over a little 50, about 50 years since since her death in 62, yeah, it has been about 50, a little over 50 years, the question still remains, who killed Marilyn Monroe? Okay, look at, look at what would be the reason for her... If anybody said would kill, especially if the agency or the government or something like that, what would be the reason for anybody to kill her other than she had some kind of secrets or she could hold a blackmail? That's it. There was there was a little red book, a diary that she kept. She had names. Of all the of secrets and names of people of that something that was going on, especially she had the names of wait for it the Kennedys. Well, everybody knew that she was messing with uh, JFK and and Robert Kennedy. Oh Lord, Ambrose, come on, brothers. Yeah. She had this, as a matter of fact, she would call, from what, from, what I've, from, from the story I've been getting, and I've been watching over and over, and I've been getting a lot of information from this, that she would call the White House and um, to call the president, you know, to call the president, and she had this fantasy of becoming the first lady. That she, she wanted, she wanted Jack Kennedy to leave Jackie and the kids, and, she, and that way she could become the first lady. Oh no! And on the other hand, with, with, as far as Bobby Kennedy, there's been said that Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe had some kind of love. Affair going on. Hmm. Mm, yeah. So it's been it. That's why it has been a lot of stuff that's been going on. Plus, she had this troubled past of she she had a troubled childhood to begin with because she was moved from one foster home to. From one home to another, as a as a kid, she was, she was shuffled around. Her okay. father was never around. Her mom was 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 mentally um, me- mentally um, had a mental problem. She had to send her had to send Marilyn away or uh, Norma Jean uh, Norma Jean away at the time. <laughs> And Norma Jean had this very troubled past 
of her life. Um, the, 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 that's one of the things, in the, plus the drugs, plus the alcohol, plus the bad marriages. She had three, she was married three times. One one marriage only lasted just that only a few months. Was she so, married to Preston Knocker or somebody, a baseball player or something like that? She was married to DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio, okay. Joe yeah. DiMaggio. And then she married um Norman Mailer, who's who's a play playwright, Norman Mailer. And then she married uh, and then the first time she got married, she was like sixteen, I believe. When she was married the first time, around about sixteen. The guy that she married was um going he was in the Navy, I believe. I think he was like in the Navy or something, a merchant marine, I think, either a Navy or a merchant marine or something like that. I mean, that this whole the whole thing is really, <laughs> really weird. And the, and the weird part about it, Mary Monroe and I have the same birthday. Get out of here. Yeah, we have the same birthday, different year same birthday and she died when I was only uh, a year a year and some months <laughs> so, the, so you see my interest in this because Mel Moreau and I have the same birthday hold on we, we're going to talk more about this to me, this is interesting because it said it could be politically, it could be politically um, motivated. Who knows? I, I got I, I got some audio here I want to share with you all about this whole thing, and also talk about some other stuff that going on in your neck of the woods. This is Nation Talk. We're coming up to the top. Out the hour. As a matter of fact, we're at the top of the hour now. This is Nation Talk. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Jam Reddit Production, Sonyhead.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. The Sunday evening form.
Good evening and welcome back to our second hour of Nation Talk. Tonight, we remember the veterans. We go into discussions about different things that's going on in the news. And the very strangest Hollywood mystery that I've ever heard. And that's the death of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Wednesday, she she would have been 90 years old if she was still living. Uh, As I said, before I left, uh, we shared the same birthday. That's why why I'm intrigued about this. And especially the rumor mills, the, um, the all the strange... Um, controversy over this of this very wonderful this lovely lovely actress who who still believe it or not still a fan who still a, a, who people are still a fan of uh, like yours truly I'm a I'm a fan of her I've seen a few of her movies. I've seen I've seen thousands of her pictures. I bet I have pictures of her on my screensaver. Uh on screensaver so my on the on the computer here. And I'm a fan, really. I'm really a a a, a, a treat a fan of memorable um The controversy still the, still continues, and the questions with very little answers, and some very little very little answers of to why who killed Marilyn Monroe. That's still that's still a question. Who killed Norma Jean? Coming up, Hollywood's most unforgettable starlet and her most mysterious death. Marilyn Monroe. Her beauty is eternal. Her affair is legendary. And her death shocking. I was just in tears and trying to make something of it, trying to... Who did this? Why? Why? What happened? Did she die by her own hand, or was she the victim of a nefarious conspiracy? The coroner chief medical examiner was completely wrong. Even after nearly four decades, Marilyn Monroe's death is surrounded by mystery and unanswered questions. Was she so deeply troubled that she took her own life? Or was it an accident, perhaps, even the perfect murder committed and covered up by rich and powerful men? Newly uncovered information casts doubt on the official version of events and keeps the case very much alive. Join us for The Death of Marilyn Monroe. 
the early morning hours of Sunday, August 5, 1962. As the rest of Los Angeles sleeps, a flurry of activity at 12.305 5th Helena Drive is just reaching its climax. It is at this house on this day that Marilyn Monroe is found dead. The events surrounding this death will be shrouded in mystery for decades, a mystery which many will try to solve, including author Donald Wolfe. He has spent seven years investigating the death of this famous actress. In the course of uh, researching my book, one of the first people I interviewed was Jack Clements, Sergeant Jack Clements, who was the first police officer on the death scene. And he said he got a call from Marilyn's physician that he was at Marilyn's house and she had committed suicide. It came in at about 4.35 that Sunday morning, August 5th of 1962. Clemens immediately heads to the famous actress's home, a small Spanish-style house in the Los Angeles enclave of Brentwood. In the home at this pre-dawn hour are Dr. Hyman Engelberg, Monroe's internist, Dr. Ralph Greenson, her longtime psychiatrist, and Eunice Murray. He said he knocked on the door, and Mrs. Murray, the housekeeper, uh, answered the door and took him into the bedroom, and he saw Marilyn's body uh, lying on the bed. And the pill bottles were on the uh, table next to the bed, and the two doctors pointed at the pill bottles and said uh, she took all of these and made it clear that uh, they were under the impression she had committed suicide. Officer Jack Clemens died in 1998, but numerous writers have recounted his immediate uneasiness. Clemens told me that from the very beginning he uh, knew that the death scene had been uh, arranged. He said the body was straight out on the bed in what he called the soldier's position, and he had seen a number of suicides by overdose of barbiturate. He said inevitably the body dies in a contorted position because they usually have convulsions. Adding to Clemens' growing skepticism, are the reports he receives about the time Monroe's body was discovered. Clemens said that the original story was that Mrs. Murray had awakened at about midnight. Clemens had inquired, well, if you found the body close to midnight, why were we called four and a half hours later? What were you doing? And he said that they wouldn't answer uh, that question, but apparently it bothered them. So later on, after the homicide detectives arrived, they changed their story and place the time frame three hours later. Whatever concerns Officer Clemens has are shunted aside as he is relieved at the scene by senior officers of the Los Angeles Police Department. As a crowd of press gathers, Monroe's body is put on a mortuary stretcher and wheeled away. They brought her body out, wrapped it in a very cheap cotton blanket. And I don't know whether it was the cotton blanket or just seeing this beautiful woman being carried out like that, dead. But I, had to, I admit I wiped away a few tears. While the investigation continues, news of the death of this beloved screen star spreads quickly. Longtime friends, those who knew Marilyn Monroe well or thought they knew her, are shocked. I thought it was very strange that she would commit suicide after talking with her on that Friday night before she was found dead because she had told me the different things that she had planned in her life for the next week, if not a few things, the next month. 
I was just in tears and trying to make something of it, trying to, who did this? Why? Why? What happened? But making sense of the untimely death of Marilyn Monroe would prove elusive. Her body, after briefly being held at a mortuary, is taken to the L.A. County Coroner's Office. The case is assigned to Dr. Thomas Noguchi. Also attending the autopsy is John Minor of the District Attorney's Office. I was hit by the tragedy of this beautiful woman being dead before her time. And why? The why of her death continues to be debated, but its cause is quickly determined. Our chief toxicologist reported to us large uh, amount of uh, sweeping pills. The, that is a perpetuate. It's called nembutol. The level in Marilyn Monroe's blood was 4.5 milligram percent. It would have taken approximately 40 to 42 such capsules in order for that level to have been achieved. Pending a more complete investigation, Monroe's death is temporarily designated a probable suicide, a judgment due in large part to her history. Maryland's suicide scenario had probability uh, because there had been attempts to commit suicide at least four times in her past, and there were similar attempts with barbiturates. Marilyn Monroe's body is released to her former husband, Joe DiMaggio, who makes the funeral arrangements. The funeral is held at the Westwood Village Mortuary on Thursday, August 8th. There was a huge crowd of people there at the mortuary uh, trying to get in, trying to see. And DiMaggio had limited the attendees to, I think it was 26 people, all mostly friends, close friends and family and had deliberately eliminated the Hollywood milieu from the funeral. Thirteen days later, the L.A. County Coroner, Dr. Theodore Curphy, holds a press conference to announce his final official findings in the death of Marilyn Monroe. He uh, certified the manner of death to be probable suicide. When you weigh this all the factors, and it tends to indicate a more likely suicide. But the office could not find the necessary factor to state it is suicide. What we really have is a coroner chief medical examiner who had a preconceived notion of what happened and labeled it accordingly and was completely wrong. But Curfee chose to adopt it. In a way, it was uh, the easiest political solution. Despite the unanswered questions about Marilyn's death, no coroner's inquest is ever conducted. No grand jury is ever impaneled to investigate. No witnesses are ever questioned under oath. Like a character in a fairy tale, she died what seems to us at a young age. And she died under mysterious circumstances. We're not absolutely certain that we know how she died or even why she died. And we definitely don't know all that happened in the hours immediately following her death. 
return, clues to Marilyn Monroe's complicated nature and her long fight for stability, one that begins growing up as the daughter of Gladys Baker. Gladys went mad, uh, and she was put in a mental institution. Marilyn Monroe's last will and testament left nothing to Joe DiMaggio. The bulk of her estate went to Lee Strasberg, her acting coach, spiritual advisor, and surrogate father. History's Mysteries will be right back here on the History Channel. We now return to The Death of Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, dead of a massive drug overdose at the age of 36. Her death seems like something out of a movie, as did her life. Her specialness, it wasn't just her sexuality and her physical beauty. It was an inner quality that she had. When I think of Marilyn Monroe, basically I'm thinking of Norma Jean Baker. And I'm thinking of Norma Jean Baker as a woman who was an actress who constructed a number of personalities, and one of them is Marilyn Monroe. The journey that would lead to the creation of Marilyn Monroe began on June 1, 1926, with the birth of Norma Jean Baker in Los Angeles, California. Norma's mother, Gladys Monroe Baker, works as a film cutter in one of Hollywood's dream factories. The baby is given the last name of Gladys's former husband, but he is not the father. Indeed, there is no father in the picture. Gladys struggles mightily to provide a home for her daughter, but any kind of family life would be short-lived. Gladys went mad, uh, and she was put in a mental institution and Marilyn then went to the orphanage and stayed at as many as uh, eight to nine different foster homes after that. The loneliness of Norma's life is abated by her dreams of things to come. She'd spend a lot of time at the movies. She'd go to the Grauman's Chinese and put her feet in the footprints of the film stars that she idolized. So she got caught up in that daydream of being a film star very early on. This daydream survives Norma's dreary childhood of orphanages and foster homes, a childhood that sparks a yearning for family. With her 1942 marriage to Jim Dougherty, the 16-year-old Norma tries to create her own family. It was a true love affair, but when World War II came along and uh, Doherty went into the Merchant Marine and there was so much separation, it was very, very difficult for them. With her husband away at sea, Norma finds work at a defense factory. It is here that she is noticed by an army photographer named David Conover. And Conover started photographing her, and that was the start of her uh, modeling career. She started working in this long career of pleasing other people and maybe manipulating their images of her. Norma Jean is quickly catapulted under the cover of magazines and calendars. In 1946, taking the advice of a photographer, Norma goes platinum blonde, one step closer to becoming the famous Marilyn Monroe. Shortly thereafter, she files for divorce from Jim Dougherty. She hopes her dreams are within reach. Marilyn had saved up money from 
various little jobs that she had, and she would take the last penny and invest it in an acting lesson for a half hour. She had a lot of perseverance and determination. This determination pays off. Later that summer of 1946, the Fox Studio signs Norma Jean Baker to a contract. Studio executives wanted to have a more glamorous name and suggest Marilyn. Combined with her mother's maiden name and following plastic surgery on her nose and chin, the legendary Marilyn Monroe is born. See blonde Marilyn Monroe, Miss Cheesecake herself. But little noticed bit parts are all that Marilyn is offered during the next five years. This period also marks her introduction to the darker side of Hollywood. Uh, yeah, she took a lot of sleeping pills, uh, uh, barbiturates. That was her downfall, I believe, yeah. It was very frequent. They were as easy to get as buying candy, especially if you were an actor. There was no limit to what you could get. At least once during these years, Monroe attempts suicide, depressed over her career and her lonely personal life. But the 1952 filming of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes proves to be a defining moment. The Marilyn persona was constructed around the time of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Before that, she played roles that were very different. With Marilyn Monroe as Lorelei Lee, the world's most fabulous gold-digging blonde. I just love finding new places to wear diamonds. Lorelei Lee became a kind of hyper-feminized, slightly comic, slightly parodied female seductress. With the film's release, Marilyn is skyrocketed to the heights of Hollywood, getting her hand and footprints immortalized at Grauman's Chinese Theater, a childhood dream come true. Also that year, Marilyn Monroe has a fairy tale love affair with a baseball hero. She was telling me that she met this wonderful Italian man, and uh, you could see she was very smitten with him. And I said, What's his name? She says, Joe DiMaggio. And I said, Joe DiMaggio? I said it exactly like that. And she says, Why? Why'd you say it like that? I said, well, he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Marilyn said, well, we didn't talk about baseball. <laughs> he was someone larger than life. He was the most famous athlete of his time. And when Marilyn Monroe was introduced to him, the two of them were meeting almost as icons. In January 1954, the couple weds in a media glare. But life for the hero and sex goddess was more grim than fairy tale. Marilyn told me, too, that after she did that famous scene in The Seven-Year Itch, where she has the subway grating and blows her dress up, she says Joe smacked her around that night. He was very upset about it because, you know, too many people were watching and exposed her panties and everything else. Months later, he smacked her around for some other argument, and that was the end of the marriage. She divorced him after that. There were some serious battles that took place in their very stormy marriage. What's interesting is they both truly loved one another. They just couldn't live together. With her storybook romance over after just nine months, 
Marilyn sets her sights on the ultimate dream. She didn't want it to be a fleeting, ephemeral, pretty blonde woman like they come and go in Hollywood. Well, where should I sleep? She hoped for some sort of immortality. She wanted to be a really good actress. She wanted to leave behind her work that would endure. She wanted to branch out. That's why she went to the actor's studio and spent a lot of time there with Lee Strasberg. She really wanted to become a, a real serious, dedicated actress. Monroe moves to New York to work closely with noted acting teacher Lee Strasberg. In 1956, while pursuing this dramatic endeavor, she marries playwright Arthur Miller. It is during this era that Marilyn first comes to the attention of the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover started uh, putting Marilyn Monroe under surveillance when he knew about the relationship between Marilyn and Miller. Miller was a member of the Communist Party. Here, America's sweetheart was going to marry the card-carrying communist. Monroe supports Miller when he's called before the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Yet this marriage turns into a harrowing time for her. Over its four years, she has two miscarriages and attempts suicide again. I really believe that if Marilyn had had children, she would be alive today. She tried so hard, and she just kept losing them. And with everyone she lost, she became more and more depressed, blaming herself for it. The pressures become too much, and the couple divorces in 1960. It was difficult for her to have lasting relationships. I suppose, in a sense, she never matured. She was always maybe about six years old and always yearning for love, which I think is typical of many celebrities. Marilyn returns to Hollywood, but life is no better. Marilyn did get worse as far as drinking and the drugs are concerned. The marriages that didn't work out, the studios giving her a lot of trouble, uh, her insecurities were getting worse because she was getting older. Marilyn was taking Nimbutol, which was a sleeping capsule. She was also taking chlorohydrate, which is another sedation prescription. In the 50s and 60s, doctors were commonly prescribing these powerful drugs promiscuously. Many question Monroe's relationship with Dr. Ralph Greenson, the psychiatrist she began seeing in 1960. Marilyn was very dependent on Greenson. He made her much too dependent on him, much too dependent. She couldn't live without talking to him. In 1962, Monroe begins production of Something's Got to Give. She misses half of her scheduled days. The studio, furious, shuts down production. Monroe retreats to the sanctuary of her small home. She falls deeper into depression and reliance upon prescribed drugs. Yet on May 19, 1962, the fragile actress does manage to make a pivotal public appearance the birthday celebration for President John F. Kennedy at Madison Square Garden. Within three months, she will be dead. When we return, evidence that the U.S. government is interested in the private life of Marilyn Monroe. 
and in that document it, it uh, indicates that Maryland's house was under electronic surveillance by the CIA. In 1999, a collector bought the dress Marilyn wore when she sang Happy Birthday, Mr. President for more than one and a quarter million dollars. History's Mysteries will be right back here on the History Channel. We now return to the death of Marilyn Monroe. Following the discovery of Marilyn Monroe's body, her death becomes front page news around the world. Troubling questions are soon raised. Dorothy Kilgallen started writing items in her column about the possible connection with the Kennedys and Marilyn's death, as did Walter Winchell. It wasn't until Frank Capel published his book in 1964 that uh, there was a blatant accusation of murder, that she was a homicide victim, and that Bobby Kennedy had been on the scene. A shocking accusation. Yet Kennedy's actions, as detailed in government records, indicate that he himself may be concerned about the speculation in Capel's book. It was many years later that we find that Bobby Kennedy had Capel's phone under electronic surveillance during this period of time after being warned by J. Edgar Hoover that the book was being published. Facts have come to light in the years since Monroe's death that have led to widespread doubt about the official findings of suicide. Author Donald Wolf's seven-year investigation has uncovered numerous government documents and contradictory reports from various witnesses. I think what happened with the death of Marilyn, as often happens in controversial stories, uh, there's a public story that is told that's a cover-up story, and then through the years there's an evolution of information that takes place that tells a different story. If we knew back in 1962 or 3 some of the pertinent events in Maryland's death, there would have undoubtedly been a giant investigation. People would have been called in under oath and required to testify. But it was many years later before uh, a lot of that information was known. Monroe's involvement with John Kennedy becomes widely discussed in the aftermath of her death, though the affair was hardly a closely guarded secret during her life. Although Marilyn told me about her romance with JFK, I, I was working for the Associated Press in those days, and that was not the type of story that the AP would carry because it was hearsay. Today, it would be a whole different ball game. It is an affair that may have begun as early as 1960. It began when he was campaigning for president. That's when he first met her, yeah. They had parties out at Peter Lawford's house, and she met him out there. FBI documents indicate that J. Edgar Hoover, the agency's powerful director, is also aware of Kennedy's affair with Monroe. Hoover had uh, diligently followed uh, the liaisons of Jack Kennedy and various women, both before and after the presidency, and he was aware of the relationship with Marilyn Monroe and had become a matter of concern. Some historians speculate that the revelation of such an affair could have shaken the government to its foundation during the Cold War. But Monroe's performance at Kennedy's birthday celebration on May 19, 1962, brings unwanted public attention. 
this episode is very famous. They're sort of laughing at her in a way. And then John F. Kennedy was with his friend in a box. He was smoking a cigar. And he was probably rather boastful about her because it seems she's offering herself to him. The relationship really didn't end until the week after the birthday gala. The uh, logs uh, in the FBI and in the Kennedy Library established that J. Edgar Hoover had one of his rare meetings with J.F. Kennedy on the Thursday after the birthday gala. And it was on that week that Marilyn's access to the switchboard at the Oval Office was uh, terminated. Marilyn's longtime friend, Jeannie Carmen, is convinced that the president turns to his brother Robert for help. So he asked Bobby to go to L.A. and tell Marilyn that it was all over. Well, Marilyn would have been very angry except when she saw Bobby. She really fell in love with him. He was cute, he was energetic, and he was totally different from Jack. And she truly fell in love with him, and he fell in love with her. Both Carmen and Robert Slater report that Monroe keeps a written account of her conversations with the Kennedys, which has come to be known as the Red Diary. She just wanted to remember what they had talked about so she could uh, uh, speak intelligently with him. I saw the Red Diary uh, back in the summer of 1962, and she'd write things that Bobby Kennedy had told her when they got together. Like Bobby told me how I, meaning Bobby Kennedy, uh, pulled the Air Force cover off of the Bay of Pigs invasion. I told the Air Force not to go in. About how uh, the CIA had gangsters on the payroll to kill Castro. Robert Kennedy found it once, and he got extremely angry, and he threw it across the room and, and uh, said, get rid of this. It was disturbing to J. Edgar Hoover that even though the relationship with Jack Kennedy had terminated, that Bobby was still seeing her. Hoover's fears are fueled by Marilyn's past relationship with Arthur Miller and other suspected communists. As the summer of 1962 continues, Monroe begins to have her own suspicions. Marilyn suspected towards the end that her house was bugged because she carried around her purse that was filled with about two pounds of coins. And she was making a lot of her calls from payphones. She'd go down the street and call from a payphone. She was very nervous about her phone being bugged and asked me if I knew anyone that could look at it. Author Donald Wolf, through sources inside the government, has uncovered evidence that Monroe's suspicions were not misplaced. There's a CIA document that's very revealing, and the document's dated, ironically, August 2nd, 1962, and it's short, just two days before her death. And in that document, it, it uh, indicates that Marilyn's house was under electronic surveillance by the CIA. This CIA document also confirms the existence of the Red Diary. The document indicates that she had kept what they called a book of secrets, which was a journal of her conversations with the president and the attorney general. In July 1962, just weeks before Monroe's death, the attorney general is shown FBI information regarding his relationship with the actress. 
and it was shortly after that July 17th memo, uh, FBI memo, that uh, Bobby uh, refused to talk to Marilyn anymore. And you could see a number of calls she made to the Justice Department following that. I think there were as many as 17 calls to the Justice Department on her phone records. She started crying and saying, they've done it to me again, and they're not going to get away with it this time. I'm going to tell the whole world that I was with these guys. But she didn't live to tell that story. When we return, speculation on what happened the night Marilyn died. In the middle of the call, there was a disturbance, and Marilyn put down the phone and said she would come back and never came back. We now return to the death of Marilyn Monroe. It's Saturday, August 4th, 1962, the last day Marilyn Monroe will be alive. Robert Kennedy, in San Francisco with his family, is staying at the St. Francis Hotel. Marilyn was trying to find Bobby Kennedy where he was. She told me that he had made certain promises that he didn't keep both he and JFK and didn't call her before Monday morning she was going to hold a press conference and blow the lid off of this whole damn thing, and that was a quote from her. While the official story has Robert Kennedy in Northern California for the entire weekend, various sources place him in Los Angeles. One eyewitness is the late Norman Jeffries, son-in-law of Monroe's housekeeper, Eunice Murray, and a handyman at the house. Jeffries told his story to Donald Wolf. When I interviewed Norman Jeffries, it wasn't until 1992, and uh, Norman Jeffries had been a witness to everything that had taken place in the last 24 hours of Marilyn's life, yet there was no police report or interview of him. According to Jeffries, Bobby Kennedy and his brother-in-law, Peter Lawford, arrive at Marilyn's house between 3 and 4 p.m. And he said they were told to leave, that Lawford had given him some money and said, go to the market and get some Cokes, but he said the message was very clear, you're supposed to get out of here. Jeffrey's story continues with him and Murray returning to the house approximately 30 minutes later. He said he'd never seen anybody in that state uh, before, that she was both terrified and extremely angry and absolutely hysterical, and that they called Dr. Greenson, who lived nearby, who came by to calm her down. After Greenson leaves, Marilyn retires to her bedroom and makes a series of phone calls. Marilyn uh, had been on the phone and spoke to a number of people. In the police reports, shows that she was speaking to Joe DiMaggio Jr. at about 7.30. DiMaggio said that she seemed very rational, very calm, and very clear-minded and upbeat on the phone. And I talked to Jeannie Carmen, also had spoken to her that night. She wanted me to come over and bring her some sleeping pills because she said she was very nervous and uh, she thought she heard noises or whatever and she was just nervous that night. She wanted a couple of sleeping pills. And I hung up and went to sleep and I heard the phone ring again and I didn't answer it because I figured it was her going to beg me for sleeping pills again. Phone records also show that Marilyn receives a call from friend and screenwriter Jose Bolognos around 10 that evening. 
and uh, I believe Jose Bolognos was the last person to speak to her. And he said in the middle of the call there was a disturbance, and Marilyn put down the phone and said she would come back and never came back. And it was at about 10 o'clock that Norman said that uh, Bobby Kennedy arrived at the door with two men that he didn't recognize. According to his story, Jeffries and Murray are again told to disappear. And when uh, they came back to the house, they went into the guest cottage and saw Marilyn lying comatose on the daybed in the guest cottage. And Norman said he thought then that she was dead, that her color, she had turned blue, didn't seem to be, appear to be breathing. She uh, terminated uh, there in the guest cottage at about 10.45 that Saturday night. Norman said that after Marilyn died, that uh, within a half an hour, the house was swarming with policemen that engineered the uh, suicide scenario and had Marilyn's body moved from the guest cottage and put together the locked bedroom suicide scenario. The suicide scene, Marilyn Monroe, naked, her hand clutching a telephone receiver, empty pill bottles beside her bed. Late Sunday morning, Robert Kennedy and his family are seen at church services outside San Francisco. Bobby Kennedy had always insisted that he never was in Los Angeles that weekend, and the public and the press, for the most part, pretty much accepted the story. But that story is contradicted by various reports, including Lynn Franklin's, a former Beverly Hills police officer who was on duty the night Marilyn Monroe died. I approached uh, Olympic Boulevard at about 12, 10 a.m. when this Lincoln Continental went by at a high rate of speed. I pulled over Robert Kennedy, the attorney general. The car was being driven by Peter Lawford, his brother-in-law. There was a third person in the car that I later identified as Dr. Greenson, Marilyn Monroe's psychiatrist. I knew Kennedy well. I'd, uh, uh, been on security assignments with he and his Secret Service several times, and it was Robert Kennedy. When we return, a controversial autopsy triggers cries of foul play. It is apparent from the kind of discolorations that were present that the body had been moved after death. Janine Marks, a 12-year-old, was fairly normal. She spent a lot of time online. One day, she met a new friend. The new friend had the same problems at home. They liked the same bands. They worried about the same subjects in school. They promised to keep each other's secrets. They wished they went to the same junior high. The new friend had good news. He said he was going to be in Janine's area one Saturday. He thought it would be amazing if they could just hang out, go to the mall. Janine agreed. The new friend didn't want parents messing this up. Janine showed up alone. So did her new friend, who wasn't in junior high, wasn't nice, and wasn't a 14-year-old boy. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit cybertipline.com to learn how to protect your kids' online life. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. Joe DiMaggio Jr., one of the last people to speak with Marilyn Monroe, later struggled with drug abuse and was actually homeless for a time. 
He died in 1999, five months after his famous father. History's Mysteries will be right back here on the History Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. Prevent your child's next asthma attack. Call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor, because even one attack is one too many. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. We now return to the death of Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe lay dead in her sparsely furnished bedroom, evidence of a self-induced overdose nearby. But could what seems like an obvious scene of suicide really be something else? Dr. Thomas Noguchi performed the autopsy on Monroe's body. There was nothing indicated that is suicide without any question. For example, there was no suicide note. And uh, it certainly is not typical suicide scene. Also at the autopsy was John Minor. I represented the bridge between the district attorney's office and the coroner's office. I should have called for a criminal investigation. But almost all the evidence has been destroyed, removed. The coroner officially rules the death a probable suicide. Yet further tests that have been ordered on the colon and other body parts are never conducted. All of those tissues that Dr. Gucci carefully preserved and put into jars, except for the liver and the blood, were thrown away or disappeared. At the time I found out specimens had been uh, disposed, I was uh, surprised. They knew they were dealing with Marilyn Monroe, and they knew they had this highly controversial case of the most famous star in Hollywood, so they should have been extremely careful. The contents of the autopsy report have long been the source of questions. It was apparent from the kind of discolorations that were present, that the body had been moved after death, perhaps more than once. The question arises if there is so much penobarbital in her system which killed her, then how did she get it since there's no pills showing up, no capsules? Dr. Noguchi performed crystal test to determine whether there were any crystals of the drug by oral ingestion. He found none. With that massive amount of intake, there would have been undissolved capsules. She would have died before all of those capsules had been absorbed. So the notion of oral intake of the barbiturate simply does not scientifically stand up. It just didn't happen that way. 
The missing links in the autopsy report have led many to speculate about the true cause of her death. When we attempt to explain this purplish discoloration of the colon and its congestion, we are driven to a logical conclusion that the colon was exposed to a toxic substance. Now, an enema laden with barbiturates constitutes a toxic solution. Now, if she'd been knocked unconscious, whoever administered this lethal enema would have all the time in the world to slowly do it, let it be absorbed, and kill her. But another source offers a different theory. I had the complete autopsy report at the time uh, sent to Dr. Sidney Weinberg back in New York, who was one of the foremost uh, coroners in the nation. And he said that she got it by a shot, a hypodermic, because at that time, pentobarbital came in a liquid form. They could put it, the shot between fingers or between toes or under the arms where the follicles of hair grow. The constant speculation surrounding the death of Marilyn Monroe eventually leads to official investigations, including one by the district attorney's office in 1982. These investigations again conclude that suicide was the probable cause of Monroe's death. Well, it's, uh, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, uh, there are hundred pieces. Uh, I believe it's perhaps a dozen pieces are missing. Uh, certainly, we would like to have more scientific information. I do not believe in this case is totally close, but the best guess, best assessment, based on the bearable information as of this day, her death will be classified as a probable suicide. However, I am not sure those who believe that uh, Marilyn Monroe was murdered, uh, they may not be satisfied. No. Monroe sequence of evidence and episodes makes no sense. Whether there was some kind of officialdom that interfered, I don't know. I don't know these answers. I don't know who killed her. I just know she didn't kill herself, so someone must have killed her or someone. And the infamous Red Diary, though sought after by many, remains missing. Well, there you have it. Just as Mike and I were talking about it earlier, of the possibility, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities that's a lot of story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and there's some stuff there I didn't even know about. Um, um, some added, more added stuff that I didn't know about until you know, until now from watching um, 
the documentary on TV. It, it's on. It was on um, Rio Rio's Rio's um, station R E E L Z. It was on there, and they had like they had um, that story there. Plus, before that, they had the story about um, Anna Nicole Smith. And that story and Marilyn Rose story seems so parallel until it's until it is scary. Tell me about it. It's very, I mean, very, very strange. And this little red diary have, I believe, has something to do with that, with her death too. You ever find the diary? Never found the diary. But if it was right there in the house, wow, okay, I got you. It was in the house, and um, apparently it disappeared. Just disappeared, okay, yeah. I got you. It just disappeared. It just got up and walked out the house. That would look like. That would looks like. Because there was a lot of stuff that, it was, I mean, a lot of stuff. That she written in her diary, a lot of secrets. That um, she knew about. Well, you know what? Uh, so if uh, if they had not involved in, in secrets and talking to these girls, this is why they say when a, when a man go with a prostitute or something, that prostitute is very likely not to show up anymore because see like men have such a problem uh, 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 of telling everything he knows to a woman that he is sexually involved with. Mm. Now, don't you know that Kennedy have no business telling her about uh, the, the, uh, the bear pigs or nothing secret? Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's just like when, when we were in the service, we were stationed in places where this don't exist. Right. So, therefore, and they were like, had, had access to all of the intelligence during that time of the Cold War. Why would they even talk to her? Because they, I guess they thought that she was stupid and dumb. Yeah. Again, she was the dumb blonde. Yeah, and... dumb blonde. And. Yeah. Wow. There's still a whole lot of stuff that's still in the shroud of mystery. Still. Don't even... And that's just the tip of the... And that's just the tip of the iceberg, really, of what... of, um, what, of that whole story. There's still some more things that people... That's, that people are still not telling. Even people who knew Marilyn. Well, I guess like now, would you think they would say anything now? What they would say to her? Yeah, if they if if, if those people who, like, said maybe know something important, like the uh, the guy, the housekeeper, the the uh, the, the guy that was there as a maintenance guy, and mm-hmm. you know, now. I'm surprised he's still been alive to to talk about 
Yeah. Because he didn't want to sell uh, uh, Robert Kay. And then Robert said he wasn't there. He was in San Francisco, which is a few hundred miles away. Right. From, he was with his family. But yeah. there have been witnesses that said they saw him at Marilyn Monroe's house in Los Angeles. Right. So her and another person, I mean him and him and some other person that that she didn't know. And then the police pulled him over. Like what was the police doing pulling over Robert Kennedy? Why come he wasn't in an official car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it and it turned out to be um the brother in law, um so Peter Lawford, yeah. Yeah, Peter Lawford, the Kennedy's in-law. <laughs> I tell you, that's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, a whole lot of stuff. And yeah, most of those people are dead. Yeah, and a lot of them took the took the secrets to the to the grave. Of course. Like Marilyn, everything she that she. Even or even though she had a diary, she still took it. She still took it to her grave. But when when she called and said that she was gonna have a, 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 a what's called it a interview something that morning and Monday, mm-hmm. she died that Saturday or that Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Now that that's when I, when I asked before about what would be a reason for her to death. That more or less, that would say that would that would give me the call. Like, yeah, okay, now I can see why she got jacked up. Mm-hmm. Andy also has been also has been said, and this is from I don't know I don't know how true this story is. And again, this all specul it's like mostly all speculation that she was pregnant. By one of the Kennedys, but she has an abortion. Now I don't know how true that is. And still, that she aborted a baby, one of the Kennedys' babies. Ouch. So that means it had to be a private abortion then? Yeah. Definitely. A Hollywood style private abortion. Hmm. So is that is that rumor uh, circulating? It 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 circulated for for a minute, and I don't know how long it I don't know how long it stayed, but that was the that was one of the things that was been said, and maybe once, and then I don't think it has been repeated since until now. So we still don't know whose baby it was. Or was there actually was a baby? Hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm. Uh, okay, well, anyway, so much for that. <laughs> like I said, you always say, this thing is making you want to go, hmm. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway. Thank you for sharing the story. Yeah, I, I um, I'm not the only one who's kind of who's kind of curious about this whole thing. There's a whole lot of conspiracies. I'm not a conspiracy, but I'm just, 
I'm not I'm not a person I'm more like a person who likes to who who likes mystery and want to find out, you know, was it or was it not? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Okay. Be that way sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm what kind of curious person in the way. <laughs> so look here, look here, never about that. So, so what's your plans for tomorrow, man? Mostly tomorrow is just mostly rest because I don't have to go to work until Tuesday. Oh well, hey, enjoy your day off. Oh yeah, most definitely. I'm enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy this one as much as I possibly can. I'm gonna be on. I am gonna be on tomorrow morning. Um, oh, yeah. I'm gonna be on tomorrow morning. Um, sometimes doing. Sometimes on on um, holidays like this, I normally extend it for maybe an hour or two more. Maybe an hour or two. It depends. Um, it it depends on 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 the morning. That morning, <laughs> and I have different. I'll have different things on there um, afterwards. So you, I just have to listen. It, it starts at six a.m. and I may go on until who knows. To ten, who knows? I might go into ten o'clock in the morning. I don't know. It it it, it, it all depends. I'm playing it by ear tomorrow. I'm, I'm being right, lazy. I'm being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being mean, a lazy. This is a lazy day for me. Okay then. Well, if you have if you have a picnic, enjoy yourself. And, oh uh, yeah, most be, definitely. Be Oh yeah, I'm gonna be saved because I'm, I'm gonna be in the house. <laughs> I don't blame you. Man. Do you? Are you gonna be on this week? Uh, I. Well, I did a program Saturday night uh, of some talk show. So okay, that, that's it for this week because I've been having so much problem with my um with my computer and these things because. I did a message on sexual addiction. Oh wow! And our speakers defined it as explicit. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. Hmm. And the devil has really been interfering and trying to throw up roadblocks in my uh, my programs lately. Okay. So then I was on a, a free conference I calling. FreeConferenceCalling.com, right? Right. And no audio came through because I was talking about uh, uh, that subject matter. Hmm. Yeah, because it wouldn't record. So, <laughs> so talk to you is the only one that I can use for now that you can say what you want to say and nobody saying things. Yeah. But I don't like to talk to you that much because I like to put my stuff to go on a uh, YouTube. Yeah. So I'm going to try it again, but if not, I'll re-record sexual addiction on a talk show. That's a good. That sounds like a good subject. 
It is because he, even in the uh, in the body of Christ, it's like uh, so many people don't want to admit it, but yet it's still it's wearing and tearing because those are one of the things that the Lord always spoke against: yeah. immorality, fornication, and impurities, and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it seems like everybody's getting a piece. Yeah. So, so what you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, I, I hope you do. If, 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 hope you do. I'm, a, I'm. That's like a, that's like a good subject I can do. Hmm. You just gave me, a, you just gave me a sure idea. <laughs> that's, that's something I haven't covered yet. I haven't covered that yet. Not yet. Okay. Well. Like I say, uh, the Lord wants us to keep to get out of the box anyway. Yeah. So we've been we've been going around that same old circle about well, come to Jesus, He'll save you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. But then what about after you raise your hand, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and then that day to day work that you have to do. Yeah. That's the thing. We forget about love. We forget about attitudes. We forget about a lot of different things. And then we sit there, and it, oh, it, wow. Anyway, it's all good. Yeah. So uh, anyway, hit me up. Hit me up on Facebook sometime. We get a chance to. Uh, let's see. What? What? Let's see. What, Are you on Facebook? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, definitely on Facebook. All right, I'll, I'll look you up there. It's um. Kenneth Jenkins. Right. Okay. All righty, folks. All right. Look here. You take care. Let me get up off of here. And uh, and uh, God bless you and keep you good. And stay well, man. You too. Have a good memorial. And thank you for your service. Hey, God bless you. And thank you for being there to support us. Oh, no problem. Okay, then. Bye okay. Now. Well, folks, it's, it's that's. It for me till tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. for one inspirations. Thank you, thank you all for for tuning in, logging. Uh, thank all of you who logged in, in and out. Thanks to Bill, Michael for for coming in again tonight as usual. Thanks, thank you all. For downloading us, check out our blog on Nation Talk Radio. Dot which word space? Word, I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Nation Talk. Nation Talk Radio. Nation Talk Radio. Dot WordPress. Dot com. Nation Talk Radio. WordPress dot WordPress dot com. I'll put it in the in the chat room for those of you listening who are who are in the chat room. Nation Talk Radio dot WordPress dot com. Check out our blogs. Check out 
check out the blogs that we have on. We I don't don't have anything yet for this week. I probably will just just keep um keep a watch out for it. Till then, God bless you. Have a wonderful and safe Memorial Day. Thank you again for listening. You're listening to the Tram Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. This has been Nation Talk, a public affairs program at Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here on Talk Stream Jam Radio. Be sure to join me tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for Morning Inspirations on Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. Remember the views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show Generally Productions so dot com and its sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.